In today's episode, we explore grocery store wars and I share my journey into the world of online grocery store shopping. Greg shares with us the progress he's made since finding the financial independence community and Terry calls in a voicemail about some help with retirement planning. Welcome to the Ultimate Crowdsource Personal Finance Show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. All right, super excited to dive into this past week's episode and discuss our takeaways with Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas, both this idea of designing a future that you want to run towards regardless of the money, figuring out what is it that you actually value, and also the value of an emergency binder, something that probably was a, I know was a blind spot for me, and it sounds like it was also a blind spot for my co-host. And to help me with this conversation, I have my co-host here. How you doing, Brad? Hey, Jonathan, I'm doing quite well. And yeah, Chelsea's story was phenomenal. I mean, to walk away from a job paying almost $500,000 plus this emergency binder, which has really added a lot of value to our lives. I mean, this is, it's, it's really an interesting story for sure. And uh, Brad, before I dive into that, I want to say I was so excited to be able to go celebrate your surprise unbirthday. <laughs> yes. Unbirthday is the perfect way to put it. I have a bit of a milestone birthday coming up this year. Got the uh, big four zero coming up in July. I love how Laura knows that your spidey sense is so tuned that she just knew she would not be able to pull off a surprise birthday party for you in the same month as your actual birthday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she basically planned it two and a half months early. Can we talk just about the depths that she went to to sneak this one by you? Oh my God. She, Laura is amazing. I don't know how she pulled this off. I'm a bit of a detective. I'm not like a weirdo, but I just pick up on these, these little clues. So, I mean, she basically has been worried for probably about three months that I was going to catch a whiff of this party that she had planned so perfectly. Like even she down knew to- I was the weak, weak link too. She uh, had to be like, Jonathan's going to screw this up for me. All of my efforts, Jonathan is going to blow this. <laughs> yes. You, you honestly, you were at the top of the list, especially since I had spent three days with you the week prior Dude, it doing was, videos. <laughs> it was in the vault, man. Totally in yeah. the vault. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an amazing party. She, I mean, 100% surprised. I've never had a surprise party before. And I mean, to say that I was just flummoxed, right, Jonathan? I mean, like the look on my face, they, it was, I mean, just utter surprise. It was awesome. We were at Busky Cider and I would say, Brad, there were at least like 30 friends and family members that all came there for that event. And yeah, I mean, I saw you walk in and just like the pure look of shock on your face was completely priceless. So uh, it was an awesome time, man. And that was a uh, that was a pub that I hadn't been to before. And it was it was just a really cool event. And it's nice to see like it was a great family environment too. board games everywhere, a connect Four the size of a wall and just a really good time with some friends. So uh, happy unbirthday, man. What does it feel like to have uh, 40 uh, hanging out in the uh, in the I guess it's not the rear view mirror at this point, but it will be soon. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. But you know, it's just a number. And, and obviously it's it's hard to 
be sad thinking about, oh, poor me when I have this amazing life and, you know, amazing friends around. So it's easy to get over uh, this number that I've been somewhat dreading, but who cares, right? Well, let's go ahead and take a second. I have actually, I wanted, I've been wanting to share this all week. I have been diving into the world of online grocery shopping. Now, let me just say, we've talked about this on the show that Laura is the consummate meal prepper. I mean, one of the reasons that you and your family have been able to pull off $2 per person per meal is because of the amount of time that she puts into the preparation process. I mean, just, she has a plan. She doesn't deviate from the plan. And when she does, she knows the numbers. And so there's a system in place for that. And frankly, we're kind of like hindered by having you tell us how she does it because you're mystified by it as well. Sometimes (laughs) it's borderline magic. Well, I am a systems person and I have been looking for a way to replicate that for something that works for me. Like the idea of pouring through cookbooks and going through cooking magazines and that sort of thing like that. I I need, I mean, I, I live in a digital world and I need a digital process and I had part of it pieced together, but my secret is that I actually in the historically have enjoyed going to the grocery store. In fact, it's something that my wife and I do together as maybe a way to get out of the house. So instead of going to target, we just do our weekly grocery shopping together. But with a second child on the way and a two-year-old, I can see how it's getting more difficult. There's more resistance to pulling that off. And also parallel to that, I realized that over time, the more time you spend in a grocery store, the more likely you are to deviate from your plan. You know, for certain people, you you just end up, oh, well, I also get this. Not everything that, you're, that you purchase has to do with the meal that you actually have in mind. So that's just kind of background to this. And what I wanted to roll out for you is what I think is my new perfect system, perfectly streamlined going into this year. <laughs> I love the, uh, that's multiple perfects in one sentence, Jonathan, this better be darn good. So let's, uh, let's hear it. It is pretty good. Yeah. I got to say it is pretty good. All right. So let me start with the, the, I, the seed was planted when refined by fire, I think it was episode 119 mentioned to us that Instacart had changed his life. It was his favorite life hack. And so I started looking at Instacart as kind of a baseline, but I'd kind of heard in the background that the way the models build up. So they don't charge you like a delivery fee per se, if you're inside this membership model, but they charge you an annual fee. And then potentially there's a markup of like 30 to 40%. So you pay like an extra 30 cents per item that is picked. And so I was like, well, you know, how will I do this price comparison? Because if I just go to Wegmans and I buy it in the store, I'm going to get one price. But the idea of spending 30% more to me just sounds a little bit suboptimal just for the convenience of not having to do it myself. But having said that, it could balance out if you're buying stuff you don't need. Like if when you go to the store, you make all these impulse decisions. Like I know people that save hundreds of dollars a month using Instacart just because they're only purchasing what's on their list. So that's the baseline, right? So I was like, all right, well, what else could I compare this to? And this is this is the part that's really interesting. Grocery stores have always relied on you not knowing what price something would be somewhere else. So usually there's almost like a loss leader mentality where they'll give you a few known items at a very low price, knowing that they'll make up for it in different areas. Amazon changed the game. They completely changed the game when they, you know, started doing physical products that you could, you'd go into like a Best Buy or a retail location and everybody would go check and see what it is on Amazon. I mean, that transformed the landscape, that level of price transparency. Jeff Bezos has been single-handedly given credit for suppressing inflation and even causing a small amount of deflation in some physical products. So that is coming. That is inevitable. It's coming to grocery stores. This is the incentive for grocery stores to push back. They don't want to do this, right? They know that the impulse shopping is baked into their business model, but they know if they don't start moving towards this digital landscape, 
they're just giving Amazon room to start encroaching on their business model because it's going to happen. All right. So that's kind of the, the framework for this. That's like my understanding for why I wanted to pursue it. I looked at Instacart and I said, all right, what could I compare this to? I had heard good things about Kroger. They have an alternate program called ClickList. It's the exact same prices that you get in the store, but they just charge you a $4.99 fee when you go to pick it up or a, I guess, $12 fee to have it delivered. So, you know, if you look at the model up front, you're like, well, I got to pay for it each time. But my compare and contrast on these, I basically picked out my, so here's my workflow. This is how it works. Go into Pinterest, find a recipe that you're excited about. I move it into my meal planning app. There's a couple out there, but I talked about in a past episode how I'm using something called Paprika. You can actually search for that recipe inside Paprika. You can download it, download your ingredients. Then you can move that recipe that you just downloaded into a shopping cart or a grocery list. You can take that grocery list and you can compare it to what you actually have in your kitchen cabinets. And so then you're checking off the stuff you don't need. Now you have a finely tuned list of what you do need. Now you take this finely tuned list of what you do need. And I did them side by side, one in ClickList, which is Kroger's, and the other in Instacart, which services places like um, Wegmans, Publix. There's a bunch of others. They do a bunch of grocery stores. So I just did them both. It was about 28 items the dinners and lunches that I needed to make for that particular week. And what I came up with on Instacart for those same items, I came up with about $79 on ClickList. I came back with about $59. So you can see just on the small order of 28 something items, the incredible difference between the two. And every single one of these has a function, has a utility. There's nothing on here that wasn't planned. Can you imagine what it does for your waistline when you only purchase the items that you actually have a recipe baked out to make for it? When you make no impulse decisions, you're going to save hundreds of dollars instantly. And the time that you get back and the price transparency that you get makes it almost priceless. Yeah, Jonathan, that is really, really interesting. So, okay. As I'm hearing it, it sounds like just the the side-by-side comparison, you're paying about $20 less for this one kind of theoretical order that, or not not so theoretical, right? This actual order you're going to place this week using ClickList versus Instacart. So talk me through delivery. So is that, are, are we talking apples to apples here? Is this you're getting delivered from Kroger and delivered from Instacart, or is it pick up in the stores in both cases? Yeah, this is a uh, this is a great question, and it's a little bit more nuanced. So, like ClickList is, I believe that is just part of Kroger's infrastructure. So Kroger is not hiring a third party; they're using their existing team members to actually collect these items. It's just baked into their model going forward. And so, with Kroger, you get the exact same prices you would get. You know, you 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 get the exact same prices using this online ClickList as you would inside of Kroger. But uh, you pay for the fee to pick up. There's a fee to pick up and there's an alternate fee to deliver. So $4.50 for pickup, $12 for delivery baked in each time. So we did we did pick up in this case. Now let's do a little compare and contrast with Instacart. With Instacart, they charge you a membership fee. So you get a free two-week trial. And then after that, they will charge you a annual membership fee. And based on the little bit that I saw, it was somewhere between $100 to $150 a year. And then you get delivery or you get pickup for free based on what I saw. That service is actually baked in. But here's the thing. Instacart is not owned by Wegmans. It's a third party. You know, it's it's essentially a side hustle. You have individuals that are going into these different stores. And I mentioned Wegmans and Publix, and there's several other grocery stores all over the country that actually use it. So there's a surcharge here and the employees of Instacart, people that are working for Instacart, you know, the way they make their money is they will get an extra 
few cents for every item that they get. So there's like a 30 to 40 cent surcharge potentially based on what I understood on each individual item. And so that's the way that the employees are actually paid instead of Wegmans paying them or Publix paying them directly. You as the consumer gives them a surcharge on the items. Plus I think there's the option to tip that when they actually deliver, when you go to pick it up. So that's kind of like the interplay there. What it came down to this is imagine this though, within like 15 minutes from my couch in my living room, I was able to find out how much it would cost at one store versus how much it would cost at another store. And this is early days, right? Imagine when you have your set list, like you have your monthly cycle, you know what you need to buy. You have these on like saved playlist essentially for food. And then you can just alternate that. What does it mean to have your, your diet, your top 50 completely dialed in and automated? How much time does it actually give you back? And to go back to my earlier point where I said that I enjoy going to the grocery store, I think I actually like the idea and actually like cooking more than I actually enjoy picking up the groceries. I mean, my wife and I can definitely find something else to do with our free time. And I imagine that by using a system like this, combining this with like the top 50 that we talk about with you guys, we're going to crush our grocery bill. I mean, absolutely obliterate it. And with all that extra free time, I'd like to spend more time looking at actual, you know, tutorials and recipes online and actually cooking inside the kitchen. I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you can certainly make a significant case for paying that $4.50 fee just to get that time back. How much do you value every hour of your life? Certainly much more than $4.50. So I think this comes back to our overall message here at Chooseify, which is it's not about deprivation. It's not about being a miser with every penny. Jonathan, if you decide, hey, I'd rather spend an hour playing with my son than spending it at the grocery store, that's certainly worth more than $4.50. So I think to me, that's a no-brainer. Not to mention, you're almost undoubtedly going to, in an hour at the grocery store, pick up a couple of impulse items that usually are not going to be terribly healthy for you. So you're saving some, as you say, waistline, and you're saving money. So it might actually net out to a positive in that regard financially, which is kind of interesting. And I guess just to go way back to when you set this up, talking about Laura and how she plans all this out. I know you're kind of jokingly saying it's magic, but the beautiful thing here is it's not magic at all. It's just having a plan. And I think that was one of your largest points, right? Is when you have these recipes and maybe pair them in a complementary manner, this is kind of what Laura does exceptionally well, I would say, is she'll go and buy ingredients. But often for many people, you'll buy a handful of ingredients for a recipe and then throw out a half or a third of each of those because you don't need it for anything, right? Whereas what Laura does is she kind of mentally pairs a couple of recipes that she knows she's going to make while these ingredients are still good, you know, however long that may be. So it could be a week or under a week or two weeks, whatever it may be, and puts two of those recipes together in a two-week span. So she's utilizing 100% or, or pretty darn close of those ingredients. So like, it's really is those little things. It's just putting a little bit of time in Laura at this point, this is not something she agonizes over or spends hours thinking about. It's just having a system in place. And I think that was a word you used very aptly. Jonathan is having a system in place that works for you. So if that means click list and you running by Kroger and picking this up in two minutes, as opposed to taking an hour. Okay. That's great. If it means meal planning, putting together complimentary meals. That's fantastic too. It's having a plan and having a system. And you know, what's funny about this, Brad, I actually went into this kind of challenge 
rooting for Instacart just because I'm, I get so excited about going to Wegmans. It's such a awesome grocery store and the prices really, really are good. Uh, it was my neighbor, Allison, who actually was telling me about ClickList and how, and I was just doing the math in my head and I was like, well, what's the downside? This, this sounds really, really good. And so then when I did the side by side comparison, I was like, wow, she was totally right. ClickList is where it's at. And you got to understand, again, it goes back to that infrastructure. Kroger is already using their existing infrastructure to do this. So there is just less overhead for them to pull this off. And, and I want to stress that like, it's not just Kroger and Wegmans that are starting to offer these features. Going back to the premise for this, this is all happening because Amazon is aggressively moving into the grocery store world. And so if grocery stores don't rise to this occasion, come up with a system for this, they are going to be left behind for the next generation. As early adopters, we have a unique opportunity to build a system that can allow us to shave hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars on our grocery bill by building a system that allows us to put impulse to the side. And so we actually put together a list of some of the ones that are available, but it's not just Kroger and Wegmans. Instacart works for a ton of different providers. Shipped is another one. Uh, Walmart has this. Amazon Fresh has this. Amazon Prime Pantry, Peapod, Safeway, Vons. Likely, if you didn't know this is out there, there's something near you. And we went together and we aggregated a bunch of the ones that actually offer this with some special offers for our community. You can find all the links in the show notes for today's episode. And there were so many people, I posted this in our thread earlier this week. There were so many people that have been using this for months and we're able to add additional feedback. And if you know something that we don't, like you know where the sweet spots are, share it with us either by a comment or on the Facebook group. We'd love to aggregate that information so that we can all optimize our strategies together. Yeah, and Jonathan, you mentioned Walmart in there actually. And I noticed at my local Walmart that they have really made this a significant priority. So they actually carved out a bunch of the closest parking spots specifically for people picking up groceries. So you can tell they are trying trying to make this something significant. So yeah, I know I personally have done uh, ship to store, I guess, for a couple of Walmart items, I guess, slightly different, obviously, than uh, what we're talking about here with picking up groceries. But man, it is just so incredibly easy. And if you have a Walmart nearby, like you just waltz in, you have your you have your item two minutes later. And yeah, you didn't have to pay shipping or didn't have to worry about am I going to be home, etc. It's just so incredibly easy. So it's very, very cool to see a lot of these companies putting more dollars behind this and it's almost invariably going to make our lives easier and competition helps. We've seen Amazon come into this sphere and I, I don't know necessarily that they figured it out entirely, but with their purchase of Whole Foods, you, you know this is on their radar. So I suspect just based on their track record that they're going to come up with something good, but it's just neat to see the competition. All right, Brad. Well, let's go ahead and take a few minutes and talk about this past week's episode with Chelsea. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about the emergency binder. But before we do that, I think we should just pause and just talk about how incredible her unique path to financial independence actually is. Yeah, I totally hear you, Jonathan. And I think a lot of people might hear this and say, oh, this must have been easy for her. She made $450,000, but she didn't start there, right? Like she grew into this and learn skills. And I think a lot of the things that she mentioned that helped pave this path for her were things we've talked about, Jonathan, over the course of hundreds of episodes, right? She's talking about networking as much as possible. That was a quote. She said, to get jobs, if you're interested in jobs at Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, and be open to whatever jobs in the field they offer just to get that foot in the door, and then learn as much as possible. How many people have we had on the show now 
who just astounded us by actually going to that nth degree to learn on the job instead of when everybody else is taking a 15 minute break to, I don't know, go by the water cooler and talk about Game of Thrones. They're actually learning. This is what Chelsea said. She was constantly learning. And you need this real curiosity to learn about businesses. And I mean, what was it? Metals and mining? Like, I'm sure when she was an 18 year old kid, she didn't imagine her career would be centered around metals and mining. But she dove into it and then got to the point where she's literally sitting across the desk from a CEO of a major corporation. That is an amazing journey. I don't want to go past that too quickly, you know, and just say like, oh, she made 400 grand. This must have been easy for her. She learned every step of the way and took those jobs. And that, I think, is a really marvelous thing. Yeah. I mean, with her story, there is just, it's hard to figure out what aspect to pin down because we could spend the episode talking about how to get a job as a hedge fund manager. There are people listening to this show that are that's an aspirational goal, or maybe it is for their kids or whatever. All of us at some point, oh, wow, it might be cool to be a hedge fund manager, you know, regardless of what the job actually entails, just the idea of that, I think is kind of, it's kind of, wow, that's amazing. So how do you do that? Well, it's going to be pretty difficult if you don't know anybody that's done it, or you don't know how someone went about getting that position for her to be able to kind of pull back the curtain and say, here's what I would tell myself if I wanted to do it again. That's going to be valuable information. And I guarantee you there's someone in this audience that is either themselves or for their kids or know somebody that is on the path that says, hey, I heard you mention this before. You probably should listen to that little snippet, that little segment that will streamline your process. The other half of this is she built for herself an escape ramp. This is incredible because when you get this job, you get this aspirational job, you got to assume, well, I'm always going to be making more, right? In fact, you see that represented in the mindsets of her coworkers. This is the least I'm ever going to make. And so you have people that are making a million dollars a year that are paycheck to paycheck. Now, keep this in mind. You don't know that four years from now, five years from now, suddenly, you know, you're going to, she found herself in the situation of desperately wanting to be home with her kids, right? If she had not had the foresight to start planning her escape route out in the early days, it would have ended horribly for her. If she had been paycheck to paycheck when she came to that inflection point where she had to choose, this would have ended horribly. And so I think the takeaway for me, because I saw it in my own life and for other people, is that you do not know how you're going to feel about your job. I, I often say 10 years from now, but forget 10 years from now. What about five years from now? What are you doing today that will give you options five years from now? Because let's say you're in this position where you're making this incredible income. Money is not always the main driving factor. Some people say, hey, once I get to $450,000 a year, that's what I'm going to do forever. That's it. That's making it. But I think that you need context for that. And if your life is not lighting you up when you get to that point in time, then you're still subject to the same math as the rest of us. If you're paycheck to paycheck on a $500,000 salary and then you want to leave, it's going to be very scary. If you can start thinking about that now and say, what can I do? So at five years, if I find myself in a situation that is like, Eh, I get to make a choice either to rearrange my work schedule so that it's less toxic or to walk away and do something else. That's what following the tenets of financial independence gives you. It gives you the freedom to choose a life that you can get excited about. And then to see her with frankly, a lot of, like, here's the thing. If you're making $15 an hour, $20 an hour, somewhere in that range, you likely can leave that job and pick up another job that pays that exact amount, right? Like in a different sector, in a different field. It's not difficult to replace a minimum wage job. If you're making $450,000 a year and you walk away from that, it's going to be 
very difficult to replace that, right, Brad? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, Chelsea was trying to accrue what what we talk about here, right? Power and options. And that's what you get when you save money. It's really simple. I mean, to your point, if you're spending all your money, whether you're making $15 an hour or 500 grand a year, you have no options and you have no power because you have no space. You talk about that gap, Jonathan, between what you earn and what you spend. Your gap is zero. You have no net worth. If you make 500 grand, you might be income statement wealthy, right? Like you might make a lot of money, but are you truly wealthy if your net worth is zero? If you're spending money as quickly as it comes in, like it makes no sense to me. So, I mean, I think what's interesting and what I really took away, she talked about you get stuck in this bubble where even people in an industry like that think they aren't making enough. She said the reaction was visceral about this seven figure earner who quote retired and that everybody was kind of like rolling their eyes saying he couldn't afford to retire. It just shows you how kind of relative income and net worth really are. People, they get caught up in these bubbles and that is shocking to me. And Brad, I think the point to highlight is she actually does walk away. So knowing that it's risky, knowing that she's not going to be able to replicate that income, she walks away from it. But what is allowing her to do that is the fact that she is, may not be at financial independence, but she has several years of expenses saved up. But, but she's essentially starting from scratch, zero income. And so what does she do? What I love is that she, you know, although she is not getting this information from us, the information has been covered. Episode 101 with uh, Nick Loper. We were talking about finding your side hustle idea, and we talked about some principles for actually putting a side hustle together. And so there were a couple that we mentioned, the intersection method, which is what are your interests, what are your strengths, find something that kind of connects the two, and then look for an opportunity there. And then the other, identifying pain points or problems in your life. And you asked her a very pointed question, you know, like what prompted this? She was able to go into great detail about why this was a real problem in her life and this product that she's developed was initially for herself and now is helping thousands of people develop their own emergency plan. And it, and it, what was interesting is pointing out the nuance there that it's not necessarily for end of life, although it would encompass that. This is all the stuff that needs to happen long before your will is ever read. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that I thought was cool that it's both a combination of the finances, but this lifestyle, or even if you're not getting hit by a bus, kind of as, as she said, and you're just away on vacation and your kids get sick. Well, having the information on the kids' doctors and also having a medical power of attorney in this emergency binder, that's gonna make a world of difference. Just putting this little bit of planning in, and I know you kind of harped, Jonathan, in a funny way about how long this document was, but it doesn't take that long to fill it out in the grand scheme of things, especially if you just dedicate yourself to it. Like she said, concentrate on maybe doing one little section a week, even if it takes you a handful of weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it may be to do, well, then it's done as opposed to looking at it as this gargantuan task of, oh my God, how am I going to fill out hundred plus pages? No, I mean, I, I've went through it and I know much of it doesn't even necessarily apply. Like I can kind of skip by a bunch of pages. So it didn't feel like, oh no, I've got to fill out a hundred page PDF. It was nothing like that. It was, it actually became kind of fun, Jonathan. I'm doing something good for my family here by getting this on paper and thinking about these situations that obviously, 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 I hope do not happen and do not come to pass. But if they do, my family will thank me and be so grateful for the time that I spent doing this. And, and obviously the time Laura spent doing this as well. And, and I think that just put me in a better place of just saying, 
This is really important. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk order of operations here, right? Uh, so first of all, most people came away from this that, all right, let's get a binder. Let's find out all the things that we don't know that we don't know. Let's start creating a plan for our family. And then from there, it's going to become very apparent. If you haven't done this yet, you should uh, create a, a will, right? And for some people, it's going to be a low cost or free option. Uh, for other people, it may actually be, you know, getting a lawyer and having them button one up for you and give you a very solid estate plan. My big takeaway was get something done and don't let perfect be the enemy of, of, of done. You can always iterate and make it better with the next draft. And in fact, Brad, next week, we're actually going to be speaking with uh, Mark Moss and having him uh, unpack for us what a solid estate plan would actually encompass. And he makes a pretty compelling case for why you should have a attorney work with you on that. It's going to be an important conversation for our community. But she mentioned a actually a free resource that's out there as well that I think is probably worth looking into for some people in our community just to get something, right? If it's holding you up that, hey, I just don't have $1,500 or $1,000 to go spend on an estate plan, having something is better than nothing because her point was you think that this individual is going to get custody of your kids, but if you don't have anything documented, it'll probably just end up being the loudest person in the room. Most of us can immediately say, oh, whoa, there should be a conversation around that. The next piece of that, and and maybe simultaneous is like that life insurance policy. Until you reach financial independence, if you have dependents and you have obligations, you need to make sure that there's something to cover the gap until you reach financial independence. And so that life insurance policy, in order to get life insurance policy, a term life insurance policy, you're going to need to get that physical done. (laughs) So some people will bump up against that. So it may be, Hey, if you haven't been to see the doctor in a decade, which is a separate issue, uh, go get that physical done. Right. And then you kind of are well on your way to getting this process in place. But I appreciated her kind of talking through that. It's so funny, Brad sidebar here for just a second. But as I'm talking to you, I just got a message, a notification from Kroger saying our click list pickup is ready today. I can pick up in between 12 and 1 PM. And I realized, uh, you know, as I was going through all those things earlier, I mentioned that we had started with, we had some recipes that I loaded into my meal planner, paprika. I have those in front of me here. Just a quick sidebar for my sidebar. Here's what I got on the list. This is what the $59 encompassed oven roasted frozen broccoli, famous crispy potato casserole, spicy ground beef and butternut squash, creamy Dijon chicken, and instant pot chickpea tagine. So uh, some pretty good stuff there, right? I mean, you can see how like if all, if you're getting multiple servings out of each of those spread out over the course of like three or four days, and that is only costing you $59, like you're going to crush that $2 per person per meal rule. And simultaneous to that, if that's what you're consuming on a weekly basis over a period of a month or two months or whatever, you're going to be in the best shape of your life. Yeah, agreed. No, that's that's a very cool hack. And it's funny that you got that email literally while we're talking about this. So that's uh, the most interesting segue from wills and named guardians into uh, Kroger Clickless that maybe has ever existed. It is all tied together under one life optimization strategy. That is the pursuit of financial independence. I guess let me let me let me get out of my let me get out of my rabbit hole here. Uh, for people that were listening to this show that are like, oh, yeah, I, I really do want to get that binder for myself and my family. Uh, you can go to chooseify.com slash binder, chooseify.com slash binder. And at the time of this recording, Brad, I think it's selling is $29, right? Yeah, Jonathan, $29 at the time of recording. And to me, this is an excellent, excellent investment and just something that's really crucial to have for your family and your relatives. 
I've always been annoyed when it's like $29.99 or anything. You know, like when they throw the 99 cents at the end, come on, man, round it up to 30. There's no reason to bring change into this equation. <laughs> yeah, nice that Chelsea does not bog you down with that. So that's good. All right. <laughs> well, guys, I actually have an update. You know, uh, we talked very in passing last week about getting a competitive auto insurance quote, and we had referenced a company called Compare. And there was such a positive response to that episode that Compare actually came out with a challenge for our community, just because there are people that have very, very optimized auto insurance policies already. And then there are people that simply do not. And there is tons of money to be saved. So over the month of May, every person that goes and gets a quote using our link, choosefi.com slash compare is going to be entered in a drawing to win $500. And it's actually two separate drawings. The first is for the individual that has the least optimized insurance out there. So like if you've been doing really badly at this, this entire time, (laughs) there's a possibility for you to win here. So for the person that has the least optimized auto insurance and saves the most money based on getting this quote, you're going to win $500. And also they are going to do a second random drawing. So every single person that enters this drawing by going to chooseify.com slash compare and getting a quote will be entered in a second drawing just by random chance to win an additional $500. So Uh, Yeah, to do that, and I highly encourage everyone in our community to do so, just go to choosefi.com slash compare. All the details are on the page. All right, well, I think we should go and take some time and bring in some feedback from the community. And uh, Zach, what do you got for us today? All right, so the first one we got is from Greg. He called in about how he's crushing his savings rate. Hey, Jonathan and Brad, it's Greg down in North Carolina, leaving you another voicemail. You guys played one for me. Back in uh, Friday, roundup 40-something. Anyway, quick update. Just listen to your roundup talking about savings rate. Happy to report with uh, method three. Our savings rate is about 60%, which is incredible, considering that two years ago before I found Choose FI, we were basically saving nothing. And so uh, we can clearly see a very easy 10-year path to FI. And then I wanted to pass along a tip that I've been doing for a while, I thought other people were doing, but as I've mentioned it to folks, it seems maybe it's a unique idea. So I thought the community might benefit from it. We set up a separate and distinct email for all of our bills. And so very commonly in couples, some bills are in one person's name, some bills are in the other. They may get caught in spam filters. Uh, Maybe sometimes you forget to pay something because all the bills are not consolidated into one email address. And so we set up a separate email address in Gmail, and it's just our last name dot family dot expenses at gmail.com. And all of our bills go to that address. We don't use it for anything else. So we get virtually no spam on that. And it's just a really easy way of making sure all of your electronic bills are coming into one easy place that it's really easy and either partner in the relationship can easily log in and see them. Anyway, wanted to pass that tip along to you guys. Happy New Year. Hope you have a great 2019. And of course, the fire is spreading. Of course, the fire is spreading. And obviously, I want to talk about your optimization strategy. But Brad, we can't gloss over that change in savings rate. No, 60% savings rate and a 10-year path to FI. Greg, congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, Zach, can you reach out to Greg? I'd actually like to have him come on a Friday roundup to talk to us. Like what changed to go from paycheck to paycheck to a 60% savings rate? Sure thing. Typing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear that? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Best thing ever, Greg. We will be in touch, man. That is amazing. Congratulations. And actually, I love the bill idea too. 
Uh, I'd like to do a uh, episode in the somewhat near future talking about organizing your digital life and streamlining it both from a privacy perspective, but then also just a workflow perspective. And obviously, Brad, in that episode, we will reference Todoist. (laughs) (laughs) Shock among shock. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Ah, spoiler alert. Okay. What else do you got for a sec? All right. Next, I wanted to give a shout out to Michael, who just announced that he hit five. Yeah, this was cool. This was in the Facebook group. Michael wrote, about to board a flight home from one of my last weeks of work before firing. Spent the week onboarding my replacement and saying goodbyes to coworkers and friends. Quite an emotional week. Lots of questions and admiration, but interestingly, not a single person asked, how is it possible that I can retire early? Someone said to my coworker, I want to do what he's doing. And she replied, it isn't what he's doing now. It is what he has done for the last 20 years that allows him to do it now. Wow. Jonathan, what a great summary, right? That is, I have chills on my arm hearing that. How incredible is that? And that's what we're talking about, right? You don't know where, where you're going to be mentally. You don't know where you're going to be emotionally. You don't know where you're going to be physically 10 years from now. But we can control what we're doing today and tomorrow, and we can build ourselves that escape route so we have options. And I think that's the ultimate compliment. Someone, as you're leaving, as you're making the choice, someone's saying, how did you do that? I made more than you and I'm paycheck to paycheck. I'm at the same place as you and I haven't even started thinking about this yet. It's about the plans that you lay for yourself because the future is uncertain. Yeah. And I love some of the comments in here. Paul said, congrats on becoming an overnight success for the last 20 years. (laughs) Isn't that perfect to people outside? Michael, who's you know, just going on, on math, let's say he's working for 20 years. He went to college. He started at 22. He's in his early forties. Some people look at that and are like, how on earth did he do that? It does look like an overnight success or did he hit the, hit the lottery or something insane like that? And no, the answer is he was intentional for a long period of time, but yet he's retiring decades earlier. Right? So it's long in the cosmic scheme of things, right? Like 20 years is not a short period of time, obviously, but man, if it means you're saving 30 years of work, I would trade that in a second, right? It's being intentional every day and just thinking about what is the goal. You can't get there in a day. You can't get there in a week, but man, you can get there in 10 to 15, 20 years, almost every single time. So a couple of weeks ago, we did a uh, question and answer session with Sean Mullaney, who writes over at phytaxguy.com. And he tackled kind of a Hail Mary case study on, would it be possible for me to reach financial independence or just achieve a successful retirement if at the age of 60, I'm still essentially paycheck to paycheck? It was an incredibly actionable voicemail. And because of that, we're actually bringing Sean on periodically to tackle both accounting and retirement case studies going forward. And this is a question that we got from Terry. Hi, guys. My name is Terry, and I just started recently listening to your podcast, and I love them. I think you guys are great. I'm trying to kind of get all my ducks in a row here lined up for myself for my upcoming retirement and trying to make sure that I'm doing everything to maximize the most. I'm only into about 15 of your podcasts, so I have a long way to go, but everything I've heard so far sounds very interesting. My main question right now is that, like I said, I'll be retiring in a year. I do work for government, so I have the 457, a 401, and a Roth. I'm trying to decide, I guess, what is the smart move here? I have other money that I could use to basically live on throughout this next year and then go ahead and dump all of my paycheck into my 457 over the next year. At some point, though, I would need to take some money out of another account, which is a brokerage account. 
that I have money into. So that way I would get all my, I would get about $40,000 into my 457 this year. And I can also dump another 40,000 into it at the beginning of next year before I leave, because I will get a payout for all of my saved up sick and annual time. So I guess my question is, is that the smarter thing to do, to go ahead and dump my whole paycheck into my 457? And then later, if I actually need money to pull it out of a brokerage account that is earning dividends and interest and all of that, I'm not sure if that's the smarter thing to do or not. I'm also then thinking, of course, of slowly over the next few years, dumping my money from my 401, 457 into my Roth. Also, I don't know if I have the ability or not. I, I have to speak with my uh, another person I have for the where I'm putting my money in. If it's possible to start transferring that money this year before I retire, or do I have to wait until I'm actually fully retired from my job? Because my thinking is, if I dump my entire paycheck into my 457 this year, which is pre-taxed, I won't have to pay tax on it, but then I am able to this year to roll the same amount into my Roth IRA, then I would be paying taxes on it anyway, and I would have that, that much more money dumped into my Roth. I don't know if that's possible to do while I still have my job because I haven't found out yet or if that's even the smart thing to do. I would really enjoy getting some feedback from you guys. I think you guys are great and I'm really learning a lot even though I'm new into listening to you. Thank you. All right, Terry, awesome question. I appreciate you setting us up to have these types of conversations and uh, we will answer you in the most public way possible so that as many people can benefit who are in a similar situation. So we sent this over to Sean and he has provided us some wonderful actionable information that you can apply to your situation. Hi, Brad and Jonathan. It's Sean from FI Tax Guy calling to respond to Terry's inquiry. Terry is about a year or so away from retiring from her government job. Congratulations, by the way, Terry. Hope you enjoy your retirement. And very wisely, Terry is thinking about retirement planning and tax planning as she's about ready to leave the workforce. In particular, Terry has a very interesting opportunity to contribute a significant amount of her salary in her last couple of years to a traditional 457 plan. Terry, a few considerations jump out at me. First is, just how much will you make in your last year or two on the job, and what will be your marginal federal and state income tax rates? Second is, how much of a pension, if any, will you receive every year once you are retired? Third is, what sort of Social Security benefits will you receive? And fourth, what sort of required minimum distributions RMDs will you be required to take every year from your traditional 401k and your from your 457 account? Let me give you a couple of examples to illustrate how I think you should approach the issue. Say when you retire, you are going to be 69 years old. Say in that last year, you only work in January and February and you collect some sick pay and vacation leave pay. And so say you're Earned income is about 40000 for that year. Then say at age 70, you start collecting a sizable pension and Social Security, and at 70 and a half, you start collecting RMDs. It could very well be that those three things put your taxable income at a level much higher than the 40000 you earned at age 69. 
If that's the case, then I would strongly encourage you to not make a significant contribution to your traditional 457 because in your last year in the workforce, your marginal tax rate will be much less than it will be at age 70, 71, 72, and beyond. But now let's change up the example a little bit. Let's say in your last year at work, you work all 12 months and say you have a sizable vacation and sick pay payout. So let's say your earned income is something like 180000 And let's also say that you're age, not 69, but age 52 when you retire. Now the analysis is very different. You have a high income in your last year. You're going to be paying a high marginal federal and state income tax rate. And you now have 16, 17, 18 years where you can slowly but surely convert small amounts from your traditional 457 into a Roth account, thus minimizing your RMDs. So that looks like taking a large tax deduction in your last year in the office and then slowly creating some taxable income but keeping your marginal tax rate low through modest Roth conversions and then having much lower RMDs once you're 70 and a half. Two things I love about Terry's inquiry are first, this issue around RMDs and using Roth conversions to get money out of traditional accounts before you hit age 70 and a half so that your RMDs at age 70 and a half and beyond are much lower. I think that's a great issue, and it's great that, Terry, you're thinking about these sorts of things. And then the second thing I really liked about Terry's inquiry was her resistance to what I call the tyranny of tactics. She found this great idea, this great tactic, maximizing a traditional 457 through catch-up contributions, which anybody 50 or over can make to a 457, and then saying, well, wait a minute, that's great, but I'm not here to maximize my 457. I'm here to achieve financial independence and a tax-efficient retirement. So she said, look, great tactic, but let me run that through the filter of what's more important, and that's my goals, and make sure that great tactic aligns with my goals. So great job, Terry. And Terry, I hope you enjoy your retirement. Brad, when are we having Sean on the show, dude? This needs to happen soon. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have him on the uh, schedule. So yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it'll go live, but certainly in the next couple of months. And yeah, he is a real amazing resource. And just looking at Terry's question with this nuance, the answer is it ultimately depends. But Sean gave two great examples of your marginal tax rate if it's flipped. Now, Terry can look at that. And more importantly, the tens upon tens of thousands of people who are hearing this and saying, okay, maybe I can approach my own situation with that same nuance, right? And as Sean said, like, you can look at tactics and say, oh, it sounds amazing to max out your 457. But if the facts on the ground with your particular situation don't work with that, then you have to look at the larger picture of reaching financial independence. And he's saying, doing it in the most tax efficient manner possible for you. That's the crucial part. So yeah, really appreciate Sean's voicemail. All right, well, let's just take a second and just talk about the local groups. For the people that are hearing this, the local groups and our community is really, this is the lifeblood of the show. There are a bunch of meetups going on this week, and there's actually two new Facebook groups that started this past week, one in Newcastle upon Tyne in the UK and one in Great Rapids, South Dakota. To find a local group near you, there are well over 200 local groups. Just go to 
chooseify.com slash local and find your group today. Unfortunately, that is going to bring this episode to a close. Now, as you know, we like to finish every episode by doing a drawing for a copy of a book that we have found useful. (laughs) Our own book is actually going live in October. If you want to put your pre-order in for that, you can just go to chooseify.com slash book. Or if you want the chance to win a copy of it when it is released, you could also enter this drawing as well. Just go to chooseify.com slash iTunes, follow the instructions there. Leave us a short written review. Send us an email to feedback at chooseify.com, letting us know that you left a review and what screen name you left it under. We give away one book for every five written reviews that we get, and we announce the winner on the Friday Roundup. And Brad, how many winners do we have today? All right, Jonathan, we have two winners today. And the first winner is Emily. And Emily called this an upbeat and life-changing podcast, financially and personally. My husband and I are so happy to have found Chooseify and the FIRE movement. Even though we've always thought about money, We didn't always track as we should. We were taught that you have your credit cards paid in full, but it's okay to have a car payment and student loans. Well, we are diverting from the path that most are on and will be debt-free, minus our mortgage, by the end of 2020. Each day, it is so exciting to learn more about finances and to strive towards our financial and personal goals. In addition, we are both at our lowest weight since meeting over seven years ago. There is so much goodness that comes from ChooseFi, and we enjoy listening and re-listening to the episodes. Keep up the great work. The fire is spreading. And P.S. Congratulations on the book. Awesome. And selfishly, can I just say, I'm pretty sure I met Emily and her husband at a wedding that my wife and I attended. And, you know, I've told you in the past, I've kind of uh, belabored the point that I have trouble really talking about this with anybody in my actual real life. Right. Which is kind of one of the premises for the show to find other people that were interested in this largely due to the podcast as a way of small talk, I was able to introduce the concept of financial independence to Emily and her husband. And then like she consistently followed up with me almost like week after week, month after month with an additional question. It's incredible to see the progress that they've made in their own lives. She kind of announces to me periodically some of their wins. And I think they just locked down their companion pass, Brad. Nice. Southwest companion pass. That's fantastic. And, and yeah, I mean, could you imagine like they met you at a wedding and now they're going to be debt-free by next year. That is just really cool and shows the power of this community, not of, you know, you and I, the podcasters, but there are hundreds of thousands of people doing this all across the country and the world and trying to basically bring this concept to their friends and family. And I just think that's really powerful and can spread exponentially, truly. All right. And our second winner today was Will, and he actually left this review on Stitcher. He said, best finance and lifestyle podcast out there. This show has added so much value to my life. It's one of the very few podcasts I've ever left a review for. Since I found it about a year ago, I've saved substantial amounts of money on everything from travel to internet and phone bills. These guys break it down in a way that is easily digestible and actionable. Beyond just showing me ways to save, this podcast has actually helped form my identity in relationship to money and most importantly, living intentionally. The Choose of I community is incredibly helpful and inspiring and has really changed my entire idea of what a podcast and online community can be. Sometimes when the grind gets tough and I find myself forgetting what I'm working towards, I put on an episode of Choose FI and I'm immediately inspired and reminded of what I'm working for. It's very inspiring and even energizing to hear all of the cool ways that we can take control of our finances and our lives. Thanks so much. And Will, thank you so much for that feedback. It, it, it really is incredible and we're grateful that you took the time to share that with us. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.